Today is Thursday, August 24th, and this is the Daily Signal Podcast. I'm Virginia Allen. At least 115 people have died from the wildfires in Maui, and hundreds are still missing. Could the Lahaina fire have been prevented, and did the government respond to the fire correctly? The Daily Signal's investigative columnist, Tony Kinnett, just returned from spending quite a a number of days on the ground in Hawaii in the city of Lahaina talking to locals to answer those questions. Tony, welcome back to the mainland. Uh, it's uh, good to be home. Uh, certainly what we saw there on the ground was incredible. Uh, I have never seen a community rally around uh, support for those who have been affected by these wildfires quite like I have seen uh, on the island of Maui. Wow. So talk us through what it does look like right now in Lahaina. Lahaina, of course, is located on the island of Maui. The population is around 13,000. Describe what this community physically looks like right now. So the island of Maui actually kind of looks like a kind of a fish if the uh, the head of the fish is pointed east. And Lahaina is on that smaller tail side shape of the island on the west side. And that entire uh, section of the island has been scorched really badly by these wildfires. It's very dry on the island right now. And uh, the town of Lahaina, which is a very densely packed town on that western edge, is scorched all through the entire town. It's blackened. Uh, A lot of buildings are burned all the way down to the concrete foundations and aluminum siding, which is warped heavily. Uh, There were several boats that were burned in the harbor because the fire was being pushed by these 80 mile an hour wind gusts that were streaming down the mountain uh, like a stampede of horses and it lifted the fire over roads it was incredibly hot people were dying from heat exposure before they died from the flames and uh, it's killed uh, probably in at this point i've heard from several conflicting sources so so bear with me as far as the uh maybe the softness of this numerical estimate, but it could be a death total of anywhere between 700 and 1,200 people Mm. at this point. Mm. Uh, The government on Maui has been incredibly restrictive in the information that they release. They're hiding their personnel uh, information officer, that's the officer who talks to the media, away from the media. We traveled all over the island to several different places. It was rumored they would be. Uh, We were not allowed to go to the police station. Uh, We never got in touch with the PIO. Um, The Maui mayor is refusing to tell people how many children um, have died. And the reason that's important is children were sent home early the day that the fires swept through the town and while parents were still at work. Uh, So it it means that there is a high likelihood that there is a large number of children, uh, school-aged children that perished in these horrible wildfires. And it has obliterated this town. There's no way that I can describe it to you other than that it looks like war footage. It looks like the town has been bombed. And the National Guard is basically reduced to guarding checkpoints, preventing people uh, from getting into these areas because the cadaver dogs, uh, which are the dogs that are supposed to sniff out and locate bodies uh, and likely points of death, are still searching the area because not all bodies have been accounted for. Mm. I mean, it's just incredibly, um, you just don't have words for that. To think that you know, we we have obviously the, the confirmed numbers, but with that, you know, at least 800 people missing. Of course, you hope and pray that that they're found alive. Uh, but every day that passes, I know that that hope 
dwindles as as you were traveling the island and trying to find officials to talk to trying to find those individuals who are supposed to be overseeing uh, how how the island responds to catastrophe um, talk through some of some of the interactions that you had and also some of the interactions you were having with locals what are they saying about the government's response well, uh, first of all, the locals are universally angry at the federal response. I have not talked to one local on the ground in Maui who was pleased with the federal response. Uh, there were a few who were kind of reserving their judgment, kind of waiting to see you know, what would be revealed near the end. But uh, the vast majority heaped quite a bit of scorn on the federal government and, and the, the requests for assistance from Governor Green. Uh, there were a lot of questions as to whether Pearl Harbor and the U.S. Pacific Fleet could have provided any assistance while boats were on fire in the harbor. And the reason that's brought up is because um, ever since the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, there have been a number of fireboats and emergency craft stationed actively uh, around Pearl Harbor, which you uh, can see the island Pearl Harbor is stationed on from Maui. So it, it's it's a lot of struggling there for people. Um, the The most common response is... A sense of pride in the local community on Maui. Uh, it's very common for individuals to have already given thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars out of their bank accounts to complete strangers mm -hmm. in order to help them compensate for this incredible loss. Uh, rumors are not exactly swirling and circulating as you might expect they are on the island because people are so focused on the day-to-day -day work that is, if you're in Lahaina, uh, trying to aid in the recovery and the safety operations there and the supply runs, which are still mainly held by the locals. And then number two, they're, if they're not in Lahaina, uh, their time is mostly spent fretting over the complete lack of tourism. Of course, Jason Momoa, a major celebrity, and then of course, Governor Josh Green, immediately after the fires happened, got on air and told everyone not to come to Maui to cancel their vacation plans, and that's what people did. And that may have doomed hundreds, if not thousands, of businesses on Maui to closure uh, and bankruptcy. And it is a horrible, horrible thing. Uh, actually, I, I've told my wife that uh, we're probably going to be redoing our honeymoon as soon as possible in Maui just so that we can go and provide a little bit of business to those mm -hmm. local businesses because that's the story that's not being reported. Mm -hmm. People are, I mean, the island is barren in some parts that is supposed to be a flourishing tourist community getting ready to go into peak season for tourism in that region, which is September and October. Well, Tony, I really appreciated that in your reporting because that's something that hasn't really been reported that while, of course, Lahaina is is so devastated that the rest of Maui stands to be devastated if tourism comes to a standstill. Explain how interconnected businesses are on Maui. So there are really only two major industries that exist at all on Maui. Number one would be agriculture, which really doesn't exist anymore. For a long time after the late 1800s, there were sugarcane plantations on the island. And after the sugar markets crashed and there became new and more efficient ways to, to make sugar, as well as you know, the fructose, corn syrup and markets and things like that, sugar became less valuable. A lot of those industries shut down. So industry owners from Canada, venture capitalists from Canada, have recently started planting automatic citrus farms. It's kind of the next era in citrus farming, but they're not really sure how much that money is going to flow into the island or if it's just going to be a mostly export-focused market, which means the only other industry left is tourism. Tourism fuels every single business on that island. As the owner of uh, Smoke, Daddy's barbecue shop. 
told us, and, and he's a, a, a restaurant owner that's been featured on Guy Fieri's Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. He said, if I don't get customers to eat at the restaurant, then I can't pay the guy to fix my air conditioner. If the guy to pay my fix my air conditioner can't get paid, then the, he can't pay someone to come fix his roof. He can't pay someone to watch his kids. And so the entire economy of Maui is very dependent on tourism. By the way, so is the taxation from the government. Uh, we were also told by a former economics professor from Berkeley who retired to the island that the county government, the state government, and even to a degree, some of the federal government's tourism expenses are competing to see how much they can scrape off the top in uh, like lodging taxes and things like that. So it's a very horrible situation that's going on there. Unfortunately, a lot of the social media rumors, a lot of the influencers that are on the island, uh, there was one situation in which apparently there was some uh, young lady who was an influencer who was out taking photos in her bikini telling people not to come to the island who was approached by islanders later and basically told get out of here if you know what's good for you don't ever tell people that again that's like wow yeah yeah uh, that's how passionate people are about making sure that people keep coming to maui instead of being scared off by those who are posturing for for social media attention mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so the message is go to maui if you can't plan a vacation to maui let's talk a little bit more about the aid response so you shared a video uh, on the daily signal and your personal twitter as well of an official in maui on the day that president joe biden visited saying that there had been response from the federal government um, his words were that um uh that the federal government had met our needs with the federal movement within six hours. Uh, Tony, what kind of aid has the government given? So there's a list of talking points that's been provided by the Biden administration and the White House press secretary that I've seen shared around on social media, usually by uh, suburban women on the East Coast who couldn't probably point to Maui on a map or young college men getting out and you're just trying to dunk on Republicans that say that, well, the government's provided a lot of blankets and FEMA has poured all of this money into disaster response into the area. Uh, but that's not true, number one. And number two, th there is no net effect on the locals that FEMA has made that I would say constitutes anything praiseworthy. We spoke with the individual that's coordinated the local effort to uh, basically put individuals in small boats and traffic supplies from other parts of Hawaii into one singular boat ramp north of Lahaina. And we, we spoke with him, he's in a few of our videos, and he was furious that the uh, United States government took them days to get here when they were having people shuttle supplies in via boats within hours, uh, not six hours. There was no federal response within six hours. Biden didn't even make a comment on the issue until four days later, and that was no comment before we went bicycling. And even now, after the president's visited the island, he left the island to go to his vacation in Lake Tahoe. So these are some of the things that the islanders see. There really hasn't been a decent federal aid response. Right now, if you don't have any home insurance, which is next to no one in Lahaina, uh, you are allotted $700 per household, which is one young lady told us won't even flush a toilet on Hawaii. Mm. Now, as we've mentioned, the president was there on Monday. I want to take just a moment to play um, a clip of the president's remarks from Lahaina. Take a listen. I don't want to compare difficulties, but we have a little sense, Jill and I, what it's like to lose a home. Years ago, now 15 years ago, I was in Washington doing Meet the Press. It was a sunny Sunday. 
And lightning struck at home on a little lake that's outside of our home, not a lake, a big pond, and hit a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. To make a long story short, I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, <laughs> and my cat. So, Tony, how did locals respond to President Biden being there on the island? What did they have to say about that? I've never been in a room in which individuals were so livid. Uh, and I have been in some rooms in which some parents were, were very upset at school board meetings. Nothing amounted to this, though. There was a man next to me who picked up a chair out of anger. And he got off of his chair and he picked it up. And it, he, he looked like he wanted to throw it. Uh, that's how upset he was that the president would compare the deaths of children to almost losing his Corvette. And uh, goodness gracious, there was, a, there was a lady next to me who was a uh, former teacher uh, that had taught for, for a number of years. It was a, a very passionate Democrat who basically said that she was probably going to stop supporting the Democrat Party because of this, which is, I mean, that's unreal. I mean, the idea that this shook these people to the core so much that immediately they were ready to jump ship on the party and just the things that they were saying about him i'm obviously not going to repeat those words here on the air uh, but they were swear words in both english uh, as well as i'm assuming hawaiian uh, which i've never heard before uh, but i have yet to see an amount of vitriol uh, by the way i think that that well deserved that that you know that response goodness gracious what a thing to say i we were you know we were making speculation before he came if he might uh, tell the islanders something that he told the gold star parents and he somehow outdid himself and said something even more calloused and cruel uh than he did earlier this year mm. how are the folks that you talked with holding up on the island i mean i, I know that so many of them they're jumping in they're helping each other out how are they doing? Are, are they able to, to stay positive? Are you seeing a lot of despair? I wouldn't say despair. Uh, Virginia, I'm seeing a lot of numbness. Mm. And a lot of people who have gone through the ringer, to put it colloquially, and have very much, there's, there's an emotional, mental, and spiritual exhaustion to go with the physical. Mm. Uh, there is a concern that, you know, the money is gone and they don't know where things are going. People are uh, selling their vehicles in order to keep things going for a few days longer. And they do think that as, as time goes on, we are going to see perhaps a bit of that despair. But at the moment, again, there is there is something indescribably beautiful that has saturated this community from people coming together. Uh, it is that aloha spirit is, is genuine. It's real. Um, and I was very skeptical before I went. I mean, it sounds, you know, kind of like a buzzword that the people staple onto an area and... I have never been more thrilled to to be wrong and to see um, just, again, one of the most phenomenal groups of individuals. I used to say that uh, Indiana has the thing called Hoosier Hospitality that we like to brag on that if you come to Indiana, we'll treat you right. Uh, the Aloha Spirit on Maui puts that to shame. Mm. That is how powerful uh, the attitude is of the people. It is servant leadership by doing, not by talking. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference between local and federal officials and the people on the island is that they don't even have time to watch the news and, and watch Biden's latest nonsense posturing and preening because they're busy delivering supplies, diving into their own bank accounts to pay for hotel rooms for people they've never even met that have been recently made homeless by this incredible disaster. 
Tony, what do we know about the source of the fire? I know slowly but surely we're, we're learning more information. Do we have definitively this is how it started and this is how it was able to spread so quickly? I discussed this with a construction worker who uh, was who had lost his home and, and everything. He'd actually driven around on a small motorcycle taking some photos. A lot of the stuff is just going to continue coming out as we have time, both Tim Kennedy and I, to sit down and write and discuss what we've seen, to look over the footage and, and kind of double check these things with locals. Uh, but first of all, it's important to know that the infrastructure on Maui was left completely rotted, rotted to the core. And I'm specifically talking about the power lines, which were so termite infested that when some of these lines fell over, uh, we have photos and I have seen these walking around Lahaina that were eaten out by uh, these insects so that basically a light breeze from some of these wildfires when dry enough would topple them over. Um, So that definitely played a big part of it. We think it's probably an electrical thing going on and again when the infrastructure has been sapped which is interesting because the taxation is so high on this island it's one of the most expensive places on earth to live that it's likely there was some kind of an electrical fire that started this i know i've, I've heard a million and one theories mm-hmm. uh most of them on social media very few of them on the island itself most people are less focused on what started it um kind of a we'll deal with that later mentality but it does seem to be electrical in nature what's more damning to the officials and others is the response when the fire was initially breaking out um, that has everyone furious and what was the response or the lack thereof that we know of well the director of the maui emergency management agency the, the individual in charge of disaster response had been appointed by the mayor after that individual was his chief of staff for seven years it was a very cushy appointment kind of a i'll appoint you to this position kind of a thank you and this individual completely botched the job that, that doesn't do justice of the, the crime this individual should be tried in federal court for the neglect that he performed uh, he didn't sound the island-wide warning system which is independent of the power grid and is touted as the most advanced warning system in the world because he suggested that people would think it was a tsunami and run into the fires. That is beyond insulting. Uh, And every single person that we asked about that said so. Uh, Even individuals who did not want to talk uh, to media who were basically turning away, I I asked that question to someone else and it had people turning around and saying, oh, if you want me to comment about that, and they were like coming back, that's how furious they are with that response. Shutting off water systems, worried about state equity farming protocols, which is wild. Uh, And of course, there was the lack of military support uh, from Pearl Harbor's fire boats, uh, while I think around 70, 70 boats were burning in the Lahaina Harbor, which is one of the premier harbors on Maui. Mm. The Daily Signal's investigative columnist, Tony Kennett. Tony, thank you for your time today. Thanks for your reporting. I want to direct everyone both to the Daily Signal YouTube, our Twitter, now X, um, and as well as the Daily Signal website, dailysignal.com, to find all of the reporting um, and just all of your great work, Tony. Thank you for being willing to be there on the ground to talk to so many locals and really find out what the situation is. Thanks, Virginia. And with that, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all so much for joining us on today's podcast. Again, um, be sure to check out today's show notes as well as the Daily Signal website and the Daily Signal across social media platforms to get the full reporting uh, from Tony from being there on the ground in Lahaina. 
And also make sure that you take a moment to leave us a, a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. But thank you again for being with us today. We'll be back around 5 p.m. for our top news edition. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your day. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.